You're listening to The Jill Monaco Show, episode number seven. Welcome to The Jill Monaco Show. I'm your host, Jill. Each week, I hope to bring you a message that inspires, encourages, or challenges you to go after and live a life you love. Join me and my friends as we explore what it means to love God, love ourselves, and love others. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Here we go. Today, we're talking about the Myers-Briggs Assessment with Michelle Cuss. Michelle is a newer friend of mine. I became familiar with her when I took a class she was teaching on the Myers-Briggs Assessment. She is a phenomenal lady who loves the Lord and has a kingdom perspective on how the Myers-Briggs Assessment reveals how God created us. She became a Myers-Briggs practitioner in 1999. She's been helping people of all ages understand themselves using these and other coaching tools for the past 18 years. Michelle holds a master's degree in educational ministries from Wheaton College, so she's super smart. She's a wife to Greg and the mother to three amazing redheaded girls. Michelle is a passionate lover of God, as well as an accomplished musician, composer, and get this, DJ. Could she be any more awesome? The thing I really love about Michelle is that she loves to inspire through humor, encourage creativity, and explore new sounds in music. We won't get to all of her talents today, but I want you to know her life's passion is to help others fully become who God meant them to be. That's why I invited her to help us understand how God made us through the Myers-Briggs Assessment. Michelle and I are going to talk about who developed the Myers-Briggs Assessment and what it has to do with bringing peace to the world. You don't want to miss her insight into understanding how your personality type will help you in your relationships and set you free to embrace each other's differences. As she describes the reasons why introverts need some downtime and extroverts need to be around people, you may feel understood for the very first time. So without any further ado, let's talk to Michelle. So Michelle, thank you so much for being on my podcast. I'm super excited to have you here. It's such an honor to have someone so smart and so knowledgeable about a subject that I am just learning about um, with me on the podcast. I'm sure people are going to love hearing you. Oh, thank you so much, Jill. It's a great honor to be here. Thanks for asking. Oh, for sure. Uh You know, I remember um, when I first got introduced to who you were, we were in a class together and uh, you were also teaching on Mm -hmm. the Myers-Briggs. Yep. And um, I was super fascinated about it, but I kind of stalked you out at church. Someone said, you need to know Michelle. <laughs> and, and I was fairly new to the church and didn't really know too many people. So I thought, okay, I'll go say hi to this lady, totally out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. to do that. Um, but you were so warm. And um, and then we had lunch and just really talked about all kinds of online marketing stuff. And I really felt like we were so much alike. And there was a reason yeah. to that, wasn't there? There definitely was a reason for that, <laughs> which you told me later. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we're both in Myers-Briggs INFJ. Uh-huh. So that do people normally click when they're a lot alike? A lot of times they do, especially INFJs. I don't know if you know this, but we are actually the rarest Of the 16 types. So there's only about one and a half percent of the population who are INFJs. So when we meet another INFJ, it's like, oh, you get me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So so there is a bit of a click that happens between types. And me feeling uncomfortable even like going up to a complete stranger is Mm -hmm. part of the INFJ, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, and an INFJ is oftentimes will come off seeming like an extrovert because uh, they use their feeling process in the outside world. And so that was, I think, what drove you to connect with me. Yeah. Well, Which I'm I've, glad you did. I am too. I'm so glad that we did. And we're still getting to know each other. We're yep. still newer friends. And um, But when I was starting this podcast, I just really asked the Lord who should be on the podcast. And the one of the reasons I wanted to have you, besides I love you and having time with you is a blessing to me, mm-hmm. um, is that you see uh, the Myers-Briggs as a kingdom download. Yeah. And you help people see who they are, the way that God made them. And to really embrace their identity yes, um, and use this as a tool to affirm who they are Absolutely. instead of fight against it. Absolutely. Yeah. I. You won't hear this in a lot of uh, online stuff, uh, blogs, podcasts uh, on the Myers-Briggs, but the two women who ultimately took Jung's theories and created this, which is uh, Catherine Briggs and her daughter, Isabel Briggs Myers, mm. um, were both believers. And in fact, the the title of their book is Gifts Differing, which is taken right from Romans 12, 6, which says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us. And, and you just see when you delve deep into this instrument, uh, into this tool, how rich and complex it actually is. So, um, so yeah, I do think that it was a download. I think that these women were, uh, their goal actually was world peace. That's what they were shooting for um, wow. when, yeah, when they developed this tool. So um, how did they think world peace was going to come out of this tool? Well, the more practical use for it was it was created during World War II uh, because women were entering the workforce for the first time during World War II, and uh, they wanted to identify wartime jobs for women where they would feel the most comfortable and the most effective in that job. So it was a bit kind of like a job matching tool mm. in a sense. Uh, but their secret goal, and uh, Catherine the mother was INFJ and her daughter Isabel was INFP. So you've got that, uh, that, that, uh, that, that oomph behind them, I guess you would say. Their goal was world peace. That if mm-hmm. everyone felt comfortable in who they are, understood who they are, and understood others, uh, that it would be a peaceful place. That is a great concept. Yeah. And, you know, if that is a download from heaven, that's obviously the Lord's heart, too, that we live at peace with one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a powerful tool, not only for understanding yourself, uh, which is amazing alone, but also to understand people around you. Mm -hmm. And I really, I tell people that self-awareness will eventually lead to other awareness. Mm. If you begin to study these types First, you understand yourself, that's natural, but then you begin to think, oh, I wonder what she is. Oh, I wonder what he is. I wonder what my spouse is. I wonder what my kids are. I wonder what my boyfriend is, my girlfriend is. And so um, it leads to other awareness. That is really neat. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because when you really have an understanding for how someone is, you're not trying to change them. You just have a better understanding that that's just how they are. Absolutely. And 
Mm -hmm. learn to live peaceably together instead of trying to change each other. Absolutely. Um, You know, one of the things with the Myers-Briggs and for people who aren't familiar with what it is, Mm -hmm. maybe you can explain there's all these letters. So we've already rattled off INFJ and they might be like, what are you girls talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So the Myers-Briggs stands for uh, Myers-Briggs Type Indicator. That's uh, usually abbreviated MBTI. So it's an indicator, first of all, or an assessment. It's really not even a test. Um, There are no right or wrong answers like there would be on a test. Um, And all it's doing is very simply measuring personality preferences. So if you think about, you know, if you sign your name, uh, when you sign your name, how does that feel? It feels easy, it's comfortable, it's it's quick, it's natural. But if you put your pen in the other hand and then try to sign your name, how does that feel? Awkward. It, it, it's very awkward. It's, it's usually slow going. Um, and some people even say, you know, it feels child, childish. Uh, it doesn't look very good. And uh, your brain works the same way. So we have these cognitive processes happening in our brain and some of them are more natural and easy and they just kind of flow and some we can do them but they are harder they're more difficult more challenging and we might not have as good a grasp of those cognitive processes so the Myers-Briggs all it is is a uh, it's a tool to help identify which processes you prefer and which ones you don't prefer and I think there is something with uh, another assessment, Strength Finders, that says if we focus on the things we're good at and we're strong in, yeah. we will excel far more than if we focus on the things we're not good in. Right. Well, you know, they say that whatever you focus on expands. Mm. So if you're going to focus on your weaknesses, um, yeah, it's it's going to be hard to uh, to really get anywhere with that. So yeah, yeah, knowing what your strengths are is really what we want to focus on. And it makes sense as a body of Christ that we should come together because mm-hmm. in a fellowship, then I don't have to be good at what you've got. Right. And we we work together as the body, you know, as it says in Corinthians. And yeah. so that makes perfect sense. Yeah. You know, one of the other things you mentioned is that there's some wiring in our brain that the way that this assessment, um, can you speak more to that? Because I really can't introduce that as well as you can. Yeah. So everyone's brains are wired differently. And it seems like an obvious statement, but that is really where your personality comes from. And so uh, if you take introversion and extroversion, for example, if you look at an introvert's brain on a scan, it's going to look very different than an extrovert's brain on a scan. There are different parts of the brain that are more active. Uh, There are different pathways that are more developed than others. Um, And so sometimes people wonder, where does personality even come from? Is it this weird thing? It's it's your brain. It's Uh (laughs) actual pathways uh, and different parts of your brain that are more or less developed, more or less uh, lighting up, so to speak. So, And when you say introvert or extrovert, those are actually the first two letters of 
the the assessment that we're going to be talking about. So we're going to be talking about extrovert and introvert mostly today, yes. which is the E or the I. Uh-huh. Can you just really briefly go over what the other letters are? Yeah, there are four dichotomies in the Myers-Briggs. So that first dichotomy, like you said, is extroversion and introversion. Uh, the second dichotomy is sensing and intuition, which we'll define in another episode. The third dichotomy is thinking and feeling, and the fourth is judging and perceiving. Great. So usually you're either, you know, you're an extrovert or an introvert, uh, Mm -hmm. sensing or intuition. Do I get those two right? Intuitive. (laughs) Intuitive. Uh Um, So that's really good to know for people as now there's probably lots of online tests and people are going to want to jump into that. I want you to speak to that just for a quick second. And how accurate are those online tests? Um, Well, in a word, not very. (laughs) They're not very accurate. Um, Yes, there are a lot of free online Myers-Briggs, quote unquote, Myers-Briggs assessments out there. Um, And if you're new to this and you don't want to shell out money for a real Myers-Briggs type indicator, you can certainly take a free one just to get a feel for it. Uh, The questions aren't the same as an actual Myers-Briggs, but they're trying to get at the same ideas in the free online ones. So you can take it as a starting point and get a feel for it. But I would take your results with a grain or many grains of salt. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, because I have seen many clients who have taken multiple free online tests, and uh, th- when they took the actual Myers Briggs with me, they still came out different. Mm. Okay. And, yeah. So it really, I mean, that's why it took you how many days to train when you first got trained? It was in this? a five day training. Yeah. yeah. And you've been doing it for 17 years now. Yeah, right? I think this is 18 this summer. It'll be 18. Yeah. So you it, it takes some training to help yeah. people really understand the results of the test even. Yeah, it does. One of the things that we had talked about before was this thing that's going online that you're an ambivert. Oh, right. Yes. Um, I call it the myth of the ambivert. I know that's very <laughs> controversial because Susan Cain, uh, in particular, she wrote the book Quiet. And she has a wonderful TED Talk out there called The Power of Introverts, uh, which I highly recommend for anyone to watch. I think it's fantastic. Um, But she does introduce to us this concept of being an ambivert, which is somebody who is neither an extrovert nor an introvert, but falls smack in the middle of that dichotomy. Um, And most Myers-Briggs trained professionals, which which Susan is not, she has a specialized uh, interest in introversion per se. But most Myers-Briggs trained professionals will tell you there's actually no such thing as an ambivert because extroversion and introversion, like I said, have to do with the wiring of your brain. Um, And so I have never seen anyone quickly rewire their brain depending on what circumstance they're in. (laughs) Right. Uh, But it I can see where it comes from because introverts may feel and act like extroverts in certain situations, uh, like when they're in a small group of people that they know really well, they feel really comfortable. You know, when I'm talking to you, Jill, um, you know, I may seem like an extrovert at, at church, you know, and I'm talking to my friends, I may seem like an extrovert, but yes. I'm, my energy is still being depleted. So. Yeah, I get accused of that a lot. 
that you there's no mm-hmm. way you're an introvert, Jill. You're an extrovert. Right. And that's why I'm I'm hoping maybe in this podcast I'll be better understood <laughs> by people. Yes. But um you know, when when people are talking about introvert, extrovert, they're seeing the outward how we interact with people. But the mm-hmm. truth of that, from what I learned from you, is that it's really um, identifying your personality of how you recharge and how your energy is either added to or depleted. Yes. Yeah. It's It really has nothing to do with how sociable you are, um, how friendly, how shy, how quiet. It, it really has nothing to do with that. And introversion and extroversion have to do with how, like you say, how you're recharged. So everyone, you can kind of think of everyone as having this uh, battery in their brain. This is how I explain it to kids. They have a battery in their brain. And certain situations will uh, cause that battery to lose some of its charge. And so you need to do things to charge your battery back up. Um, And you might be in other situations that get your battery charged up. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Yeah, that's good. So I know today we're going to focus on the first two letters, E and I. Mm -hmm. Are you ready to just dig in and help us understand that? So I'm going to give you the floor. Help us understand if we are an introvert or an extrovert, what that means to us and what that maybe means to others. Um, Yeah, so introversion and extroversion have to do, uh, this might sound a little bit technical with psychology, but um, extroverts have a lower basal state of arousal in their brain. So basically, their brain has less um, stimulation going on, and so they need more external stimulation to kind of feel good. Introverts, on the other hand, have a higher basal state of arousal in their brain, so they, they require much less external stimulation in order to feel good. In fact, too much external stimulation, which you might know as a fellow introvert, it can be overwhelming, it can be draining, you can start to feel fried. Um, But introverts are rarely bored because there's so much going on in their head. But yeah, extroverts are energized by the outside world, the world of activity and things and people. Um, That's where they go to get their energy to get their battery charged up and introverts are more energized by their inner world of their thoughts and their ideas and their feelings and reflections and inspirations Uh, that inner world gives them a lot of energy and this outside world out here can be uh can be depleting for an introvert so that explains why sometimes after i am speaking at an event or ministering to people for a long time, I the next day, I don't put anything on my calendar because I just yeah, need to recharge. Absolutely. And that's really good to know what you need. Um, I think that's one of the benefits of a tool like this is as you become more self-aware of how you're wired, you start to understand what is it that I need. And, you know, like my husband's an extrovert and extroverts do need their downtime too. They sometimes do need some alone time as well, but it's a difference of amount. Okay, so okay. my husband might have a, you know, a big day at the office or have a big conference, and he gets home and he might be exhausted, and he'll say, "I I just need some downtime," and he'll watch a show for thirty minutes, and he's good. <laughs> We're laughing, right? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, thirty minutes, and you're good, really? Because uh, you know, for an introvert. 
um, they might need three hours or a day or a weekend. So yeah. Yeah, just depending on how much they've been depleted. But introverts and extroverts can look exactly the same at a party. They can be talking with people. They can be chatting, making conversation. Introverts are good. They've learned these skills. You you have to learn how to deal with people if you're going to live in this world. Right. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And so introverts have learned, it's a survival skill, how to, you know, walk the walk, talk the talk, and, and be sociable at a party. Um, but the difference here is that extroverts are gaining, uh, they're gaining energy from that environment and introverts are giving energy away in that environment and they're being depleted. Well, one of the, the funny things that I think we talked about with introverts is also, and maybe it's an INFJ, I don't remember, but like needing our space or being a little Mm. more territorial with that. Yes. Yeah. Introverts in general are more territorial uh, than extroverts. So what that means, it sounds kind of funny, like, wait, are we cats? Um, (laughs) Do we mark our territory? Um, Kind of. I mean, uh, you know, if you're going to a public place like a you know, you go into Starbucks to work on something. You you kind of set up your little space. I do that. Know, that. That's my space. And if someone comes in and sits down and plops down their stuff and like, hey, chill, how's it going? Especially if you weren't expecting that. Yeah. It can feel a little violating. <laughs> like oh, my gosh. You just invaded my space. That is so true. I remember uh, a job I had and... I had so much work to do one day and I'd been in extrovert mode. I had to, I was at events and speaking at events and traveling a lot. And I got back to the office and I put a sign on the outside of my door that said, please do not disturb. And I did that mostly for my boss because yeah. <laughs> he was a total extrovert. And he comes in my office. He goes, oh, that's for everyone but me, right? Oh. <laughs> and I thought, and he and I had a great relationship. So I was just like, no, it's for you, too. I just need a few hours yeah. to write. And I had to do a lot of getting back on emails and every interruption. Um, it seemed like I couldn't get back in the zone. Yeah. And so I just needed just say, hey, world, mm-hmm. give me a few hours um, to be off your radar so I can be in the zone and get some stuff done. Is that pretty typical? Very typical. It takes a while to get in the zone. If you want to work on something, uh, we call that the flow state. You know, if you want to work on something, it can take a, an introvert a while because there's so much going on, like I said, in their head that uh, may take a little while to settle, um, even in your own mind. Um, and so if you're constantly interrupted, it's it's like you can never get into that settled place where you, then you can do some effective work. Extroverts, on the other hand, they typically they welcome interruptions. They don't mind um, the pop in, the drop in, the stop by. Hey, how's it going? Oh, I need to stop and take this phone call. They're good at that. They're good at multitasking and taking in uh, information all different places as it comes. They can deal with that. Um for an introvert, that can be maddening. I mean, just, mm. you know, before we started recording, I said, I need to put my phone on do not disturb because if I even see, even if it's on silent, if I see a text or anything come through, it'll distract me. Yeah. So, well, I know sometimes I even process conversations, say I'm out to dinner with people and someone mentions something and I am thinking a ton of stuff to say in response. 
and mm. I've got more questions and more ideas, but I'm still processing it. In the meantime, they've moved on to something else. Yeah. Um, is that is is that pretty typical? Yeah, very typical. Yeah. Extroverts are action. They're, they're faster paced mm. than introverts. So introverts could definitely still be baking ideas in their head. You know, you think of um, like a chef baking a cake in the oven. Well, introverts, they need to bake that cake in their head for a while. Um, and in order to give you a, a nice, well thought out response. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I have a friend who likes to call me. He uh, He's a good friend. And he'll call me out of the blue when he has a very complex Myers-Briggs question. <laughs> and uh, I could be in the middle of, um, you know, feeding my cat or something. <laughs> and he'll have this extremely complex question that he's been pondering for days. And uh, sometimes I just have to say, I hear your question. I think this is what you're asking. Now, let me think about that and I'll get back to you. Because I need time to process internally to really get to a good response. Yeah. What are some of the other things that we need to know about the differences between I and E's? Um, yeah, great question. I've There's a lot of differences. Um, it's good for extroverts to know that introverts do need real downtime. Um, this is something that my husband and I have talked, out, talked mm -hmm. about a lot. We need, it's a real need. Um, introverts need downtime as much as a human being needs sleep. So it's it's not something you want to take lightly and just say, well, I, you know, I, I guess I didn't get my downtime. It actually does affect you emotionally and psychologically if you're not getting that alone recharge time. But so what about extroverts? Um, yeah, by the same token, extroverts definitely need time to be with people. They need that socializing time. And if they spend too much time alone by themselves or without enough like external stimulation, so to speak, um, they can become bored and maybe even a little depressed. Uh, so it's a real need for them too to have that that outward focus, that interaction with people. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's actually a misconception that all extroverts are these sociable, social butterfly, chatty, got to be with people type people. Um, not necessarily. They are energized by the external world of people, things, and events. Hmm. Um, and so there are certain types of extroverts who may seem introverted if they're not uh, engaging with something out here in the external world. Um, so if they don't have a problem to solve huh. or uh, if they don't have ideas out here to play with, for instance, um, they may get quieter on you and they may even seem more introverted. It's just that they're not being um, like stimulated enough in the outside world with whatever it is that their brain likes to play with. So it's not just that extroverts need to understand us introverts and give us our space. Mm -hmm. It really, I can imagine in a marriage, if an introvert is enjoying all their space, the extroverted spouse can feel neglected. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I have a friend, uh, a couple who, uh, it, it was a shocker when they married each other because um, she's so extroverted, and he's so not. <laughs> he's so, so introverted. Um, 
And so she would want to stay up and talk and have people over and talk into the night with friends and, you know, having friends stop by. And um, he would just kind of shut down at nine o'clock and he was done like talking for the day. And yeah. <laughs> uh, she was like, what happened? You know, <laughs> what have I done? What's wrong with me? Are we going to make it? And so, yeah, this has... Um, as huge implications in relationships. Yeah, I can only imagine how important it is. So what are some misconceptions that people might have about introverts and extroverts or just their personality type? Um, I would say one of the biggest misconceptions is that, um, that introverts are shy. And they're or socially awkward <laughs> or zoned out. <laughs> okay. They could be very much engaged with the conversation and uh, very much engaged with what's happening, but they're internal processors. And so they're engaged in their mind, um, even if they're not saying anything, saying anything right in that moment. I saw a meme once that said, um, there ain't no party like an introvert party because <laughs> an introvert, introvert party don't start. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, that's not exactly true. We we like to be with our, our people, for sure. Um, so there are misconceptions out there uh, like that. There's in, in American culture, and specifically, there's an extroversion bias that's developed. And again, Susan Cain talks about this, too. Uh, this is not true in other cultures. But uh, here in the United States, there's definitely a bias towards extroversion for you to be you know, charismatic and to be highly animated and really put yourself out there. And um, that's why I say introverts have learned these things as a kind of a survival skill in our culture. Um, so introverts can be a little bit more fluid in terms of how they are able to behave just because of that, um, that survival skill that they have learned. Um, extroverts, on the other hand, are not, you're not necessarily forced to spend time alone. Um, you could very well spend all of your time surrounded by people if you wanted to. You could arrange your life that way. So um, so it's important for extroverts, too, to give themselves some, some downtime, some alone time, because sometimes your best ideas and your best um, deep thinking can come from that place. Yeah. I would imagine some extroverts just want to be around people. They don't necessarily need to be talking and engaged in the life of the party. Mm -hmm. They just, um, one of my siblings is that way. They just, they're happy just sitting in the same room with you. They just don't mm -hmm. like to be home alone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one of my um, good friends who's actually a mentor of mine, um, he's like that. He's an extrovert, but he doesn't necessarily need to talk all the time. Um, he does like to bounce ideas off of off of people, but yeah, but yeah, he's good just sitting in our room with you. So, how would um, someone identify in a relationship, or you know, say you're newly dating or a new friendship? What are some signs that hey, I need to you know to recognize what someone else is, so that you actually do well together, even if you're opposite in that way? So, for all the extroverts listening. How would they approach an introvert um, without feeling rejected, without, you know, what are the oh. signs that they would go, oh, this person's an introvert and this is just what I need, you know, to have a healthy relationship. This is what I need to do. 
Not that they have to change for someone. Right, right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's funny. You can actually, when you learn about introversion and extroversion, you can actually spot the differences pretty easily. Um, they're, well, I feel like I can spot them pretty easily, but um, it's introverts will pause more when they're talking to you kind of like I'm doing right now on this podcast <laughs> um, because they're taking time to process their thoughts and uh, they're not giving you all of their thoughts as they're coming to mind, but they're actually putting thoughts together in their brain before they're coming out of their mouth. So um, there's might be a little bit slower speaking and more pauses um, extroverts in general talk faster because as it comes to the brain, it comes right out the mouth and uh, it's yeah. just a faster moving process. And haven't, I think I heard you say too, like the second letter really affects the first letter because it's about, correct me if I'm wrong, but the processing and how we, so all the letters, they're not like separate, four separate pieces. They're all interwoven. Yeah, they're all definitely interwoven. Um, yeah, the, the letters of the Myers-Briggs, let's say INFJ, we'll take that as an example. Those letters are really uh, just a code. Um, and the code points to how your brain is processing different things. So if my letters are INFJ, I lead out with a process called introverted intuition. So I use intuition inside my head to see patterns, see relationships, see meanings, see connections, um, all of that. This is like deep level Myers-Briggs okay. I'm giving you right now, Jill. I love so the deep stuff. Don't worry if you're <laughs> like, huh? <laughs> so what you're saying is the I-N. So the N is what's identifying how you express the introverted side of you? Yeah, it's actually, um, yeah, this is like deep level Myers-Briggs. Go for the, it. Yeah, the fourth letter in the code, which is either going to be a J or a P, um, that will clue you in t to which process you're using in the outside world and which process you're using in the inner world. Ah. And actually, introverts and extroverts both use cognitive processes in the outside world and in the inside world. Um, so for a J, you and I are both Js. So we are going to use what's called our judging function in Myers-Briggs lingo. And it's not unbiblical judging, by the way. It's not unbiblical <laughs> judging. No, in Myers-Briggs land, that means um, your decision-making function. Okay. They just use the word judging, uh, I, uh, yeah, just to mean making decisions. Right. So we either use thinking, we either prefer to use thinking or feeling to make decisions most of the time. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you're a J and you're going to use your judging or decision-making function in the outside world, whichever one you prefer, then what that looks like in the real world is as an FJ that you are and that I am, we're going to use feeling in the outside world. So that's why we see smile on your face right now and a smile <laughs> on my face right now. 
and that warm welcoming attitude and just that warm demeanor and um that's why INFJs in particular get mistaken for extroverts because they're using their feeling function out here in the extroverted or external world. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah. So when you work with someone and you yeah. do their assessment and you're walking them through what they are, how? give me an example. And maybe you can share a story that wouldn't be breaking confidence of how someone's just been enlightened by or set free. We talked oh, about identity. Yeah. I could give you so many stories, Jill. Mm. It It is a beautiful thing to watch. Um, I remember one woman, she was actually troubled that she didn't know what she was. And she came out different on several of these free online assessments um, and was so troubled by it. And she finally got disgusted, like really disgusted with the whole world of Myers-Briggs, actually. Um, And my friend, who was her boss, said kindly and gently, you need to do the Myers-Briggs with Michelle. And uh, so she did. She took it with me. And actually, that's the only client I've ever had where I walked her through every question. There's 155 oh my goodness. questions <laughs> um, on the, she took what's called the step two. There's a step one and a step two. She took the longer version. Uh, and we talked through every question. And she got a nice, accurate result at the end. And it was different than every other free online assessment she had ever taken. The result was different. Wow. Um, she actually came out INFJ as well. Oh. And we INFJs, we are complex animals, <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, we confuse ourselves sometimes. Um, but when she read that description, she cried. She's wow. like, this is me. And that is how it should feel when you get an accurate result. You shouldn't feel boxed in. You shouldn't feel limited or uh, like someone has slapped a label on you now. Um, It should be freeing. You should feel known. And that was her experience when she saw her results. She felt known. Um, Like, oh, oh, that's, that's who I am. So so good. It was a brilliant breakthrough. And I wonder, have you been able to follow up with her um, in her life now that she kind of, in a way, knows more of her identity? Is she operating different with work or people? Um, Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think she, we're good friends. Uh, And yeah, in our interactions, I would say that she feels very settled in herself she knows herself. She knows her the strengths that she carries. She knows why she processes certain information the way she does. So it's been absolutely uh, brilliant to see mm-hmm. her blossom. And you know that this is kind of why I encourage people not to embrace the ambivert thing, because um, there's really there's no such thing as an a-N-F-J or, you know, A-N-T-P. Um, but what's happening is you're you're not really, if you can't decide or you're not really decided on one preference or the other, even if it's really slight, it could just be a slight preference, um, 
then what it does is it kind of blocks you from really knowing yourself really well. Mm. So that makes sense. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, without we can really quickly say, oh, we're focusing so much on ourselves. But I think it really is. We want to know how God made us. Yeah. And that gives him glory. Absolutely. To operate out of the way that he created us. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons I, I love coaching and um, I love these kind of assessments and mm-hmm. um, not because I'm narcissistic, no. but I really want to know yeah. how God made me. Some of the, the understanding of who I am through this, there were certain things that I went, oh, that's why I'm like that. Yeah. And it's okay to be that way. Yes. And I'm not alone. You're not alone. And it's not something that needs to be changed. Yes. I've worked with so many extroverts that, you know, just trying to be like them was exhausting for me because yeah. I didn't know I'm just different and it's okay. And I don't even have to explain myself to them. Right. Which um, I always felt like I had to. Um, yeah. So that's so good. You know, um, I've so enjoyed this conversation and we're going to just wrap up. I just want people to know how can they, um, if they want to take an online assessment with you or if they want to read more of what you're writing, I know you have a book um, Mm -hmm. that you're doing a second edition to. Uh Um, Just let people know what you, you know, how they can learn more about this or work with you. Yeah. Well, the easiest way to find me is online. My website is uh, michellecuss.com. And uh, my Facebook page is called Designed to Shine, um, which is hopefully going to be the title of a book or podcast one day. Good. Uh, So I grabbed that little phrase. And um, if you go to my website on the about page, it says uh, there's a little form you can fill out uh, to get in touch with me. But there's also a link on my website that says Take the Myers-Briggs. And you can go on there and you can choose the step one or step two. I should probably explain what that is. The step step one Myers-Briggs will give you your four letters. Um, And it's, uh, I want to say about 93 questions. Yeah, 93 questions on that form. And the step two gives you everything the step one gives you. Plus, you see how you fall on these 20 different facets of personality. There's five for each of the four dichotomies Mm. on the Myers-Briggs. So most people that I coach uh, choose to take the step two because it's not, it doesn't cost very much more, but it gives you a whole lot more information about yourself. That's Um, great. Yeah, so they can do that right through my website. Good. And, you know, we didn't mention this because we're going to be a little naughty because and we're not going to be naughty at the same time. Your last name is K-U-S. So for people who are looking for Michelle with one L. Yes. Right. Michelle Um, But you started this thing that I think is so brilliant on Facebook and you do a hashtag and you call it today's cuss word. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I love it. It's yeah, it's funny. I when I got married, I chose to take my husband's last name, Cuss, K-U-S. And I thought, oh, I I just don't know if that was a good life choice because I really (laughs) didn't like it at the time. And I thought, you know, I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to I'm going to turn that word on its head. Yeah. Um, And so these cuss words that I put out on Instagram and Facebook on my Facebook page 
Um, they're all inspiring, super encouraging, super uplifting, you know, stuff from little excerpts from things I've written, um, all meant to really give you a, a shot of encouragement. Yeah. So yeah, and it's uh, the hashtag is today's cuss word, K-U-S word. Yeah. So. so if people are looking for some encouragement, just go ahead and, and share today's cuss word. There you I just go. think it's so brilliant. <laughs> Thanks. Um, well, you know, I always want to close with asking my guests, what is something that is challenging you right now or something inspiring you or encouraging you? Oh, that is a great question. I... Uh, I will tell you something that is challenging me right now, Jill, um, is I'm the gal who wants to do it all. I, I have three <laughs> <with> kids. <laughs> I have three kids and a house to take care of. And my, you know, I have a husband and I like to, I love to work out and um, I love to do music and helping my friend with his album right now. And I want to do this book and I want to write that book and I want to do my website, my podcast, and my this and my that. And, um, you know, between dropping off kids at school and picking them up and taking care of the cat and <laughs> working out, and it's like I might have 20 minutes, which is not enough time for an introvert to get into the zone. Right. Um, so it's that frustration of wanting to do it all and not having time to do very much. <laughs> well, and I'm sure there's so many other people out there like that. And yeah. I know you to be a woman who hears God and um, just loves him. So how are you, like, give us a tip. How are you managing that? Um, how am I managing that? I, I Oh, I asked an introvert a word they're going to have to think about a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure if I'm managing it very well, to be honest. Aww. But, um, you know, one thing I have done is I... I, I do carve out a three-hour chunk of time for myself every day while the kids are at school. Um, and I I kind of don't I, – I try not to take any phone calls or text messages during that three-hour chunk of time. Um, I read somewhere online that if you can do three to four hours of uninterrupted work time, it's like the equivalent of an eight-hour workday. Wow. Um, I'm putting that to the test because that's about yeah. all I have. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, from noon to three, um, if you come knocking on my door, I'm not going to answer. I'm not going to answer your phone call, your text. I'm not checking Facebook. Um, so, I think that's important in today's world where there is so much out external stimulation. Yes. The demands, like you said, on social media, your phone, or you don't text someone back right away. And I sometimes mm -hmm. feel like I have to apologize. I'm sorry I didn't get, to, you know, respond right away because we are in this very, yes. let's respond right away world. Yeah. So I think there's a lot to be said for the days before Facebook and all the social media where people did have more time. Oh, yeah. And I will take regular Facebook fasts. Um, and I'll fa I'll fast from social media for a few days or a couple of weeks or um, which is probably not good for <laughs> not for me who's looking forward to your today's <laughs> that's right <laughs> people are like where'd you go you just got to schedule uh, them ahead of time yeah that's right <laughs> um, no I don't disappear deactivate my account but um, I might just uh, be quiet on there for a little mm -hmm. while um, yeah. so. be still be still and know that he is God I yeah. think has a lot to do with being still and recognizing his voice in the stillness instead mm -hmm. of always being busy and going. I think extrovert or introvert, we all need that. God yeah. says we need that time with him. Yeah. Um, I, I heard once that rest is God's hearing aid. 
I thought that was so beautiful. When you're rested, you can really hear God better. You know, it reminds me of something, um, I think on the other podcast, we talked about rest just a little bit. It's a theme that God has been talking to me about for years. And um, he told me once, he said, Jill, everything good you do comes from a place of rest. Mm, That's beautiful. It was because I thought, you know, when you're striving and I, I couldn't get some things accomplished. It's like you ever have a project where you're like, no matter what you do, you cannot get it done, whether mm-hmm. it's you're waiting on someone else to do a piece of it. And I realized in that state, it's more of a state of being, of striving mm-hmm. and trying to get stuff done. And God wanted me to rest. Even in being busy or your schedule being full, yeah. I can operate from a place of rest in him. Um, yeah. And... So that's a whole other podcast. We just took oh, a major bunny rail trail, yeah. but it's so important, though. It, yeah, yeah, to carve out time. That's a really good word. Well, I just encourage everyone that's listening to carve out some time and take it with the Lord, and or do what you need to do, like Michelle's doing. Take a few hours just to focus on what you have on your plate, uninterrupted time. And for all those extroverts, you may just have to be at a Starbucks with lots of people. That's right. <laughs> carve out your time amongst others. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been so enlightening. Mm -hmm. And for anybody that is really interested in this, be sure to check out Michelle at michellecuss.com. I will leave all the links to everything that we talked about in the show notes so that you can uh, go back and research it more yourself. And Michelle, again, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, you're so welcome, Jill. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks. 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 Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Jill Monaco Show. You can find out more from Michelle Cuss when you go to jillmonaco.com slash podcast. Just click on the show notes and find all the links we mentioned today, including the ones about Myers-Briggs. While you're there, leave me a comment and let me know your thoughts on this podcast. And so you don't miss an episode of The Jill Monaco Show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram too. Just search for at Jill Monaco. If you are inspired, encouraged, or challenged, please share this podcast with your friends and on social media. Tag me with at Jill Monaco so I can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for tuning in today, my friends. And remember, love well, you were made for it.